Expert Dojo, we are early stage venture capital with a strong focus on go to market and growth. Much of early stage VC is around fundraising, but if you can nail growth and you can actually help your business by generating sales, the investors are going to want to come to you. All right. Brandon Gerson is an entrepreneur, salesperson, venture partner, and angel investor. Throughout his career, he has co-founded three companies. Two were small exits. One was a small failure, and he's now working to ensure one or more of his portfolio companies delivers a big exit. At present, he oversees deal flow and pipeline management at Expert Dojo, one of the world's most active startup accelerators. In between professional endeavors, he is a blessed family man who's working with his wife on raising two little girls to become future leaders in the free world. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Harry. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I think the two things that I love about your bio is first, as you know, I love the name of your accelerator, Expert Dojo. You know, I always tell you like, hey, when can I come to the dojo? When am I going to be invited to the dojo? So whoever came up with that name should definitely get a raise. And then number two, <laughs> you're honest. You're an honest guy. You're like two were small, one was a failure. So I'm going to expect a lot of candor and uh, insights from you in this interview today. How does that sound? No, that sounds spot on. And, you know, I think it's important to recognize that we're all fallible, especially as investors, but we want to make sure that we learn from our mistakes and make sure that we make positive decisions and strong impact moving forward, especially as an investor. So yeah, yeah. glad to be here and let's get into it. Yeah. Definitely. No, I like that. And I think it applies to not only investing, but business and life. And, you know, my main, my day job with the rideshare guy, I like to think that it was a lot of skill and maybe some luck, but, you know, I always, when I do interviews about how I grew my business, I try to always bring up, you know, the five sites that I started before that were basically a failure <laughs> or, you know, didn't turn, didn't have anywhere near the same kind of result or exit. So I think definitely good advice there. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I've been excited to have you on for a while, Brandon. And I know you and I have been friends and, you know, we've been exchanging deals and we have a lot of synergies and, uh, you know, kind of really have enjoyed seeing your growth and your past. So tell us a little bit about how you first got into investing. Maybe we could start since you are a, an angel investor. Tell us about your first angel investment and kind of how you got into this wild and wacky world of angel investments. Yeah. So my first angel investment actually is a bit of an outlier. I invested in a hotel in Nicaragua 11 mm. years ago. And so that's not really like the common, more like tech enabled stuff that I invest <laughs> in nowadays. But I can proudly say that project is still going on and it has returned a decent amount of capital. And I'm still bullish on the potential upside of that endeavor. So what inspired you to do that deal? Well, I saw a lot of potential in that nation being an up and coming destination. I used to, I actually, I used to live in Costa Rica, which is a neighboring oh, cool. country. Um, and I used to travel to Nicaragua a lot. And the way I kind of joke about it now is where Costa Rica is still a very popular destination. A lot of people go there. Um, yeah. There's a lot of tourism and development. Nicaragua is still kind of like the pre-seed version of that, where uh, I think Costa Rica has kind of made it to their Series A, if you will, to use uh, <laughs> you know, a, a, a terminology that can maybe resonate with the folks listening. But, you know, so much more raw and development needed and polish needed. But yeah. I think it's still a, it's a really good opportunity there. 
Yeah, I that to be honest. I mean, I really like that your first angel investment was what was it? it was a hotel? Is that what you said? You were basically mm -hmm. a, an investor in some hotel yeah. in Nicaragua. Yeah, Aqua and, Nicaragua. Uh, I'll give it a shout Aqua out. Nicaragua. Aqua Nicaragua. Jeez, that is a tongue twister. Say it one more time. Aqua Aqu Nicaragua. Aqua Nicaragua. Just Google All it. Right. Well, we got a couple of gringos go, on this podcast, yeah. and so we're struggling, or at least me. <laughs> <laughs> with the name. But uh, I think it's cool because, you know, one of the reasons why I got into angel investing was to really look at the breadth of different types of deals, stages, types of investments. And, you know, like I probably wouldn't have even thought of this, but I mean, you know, it's an investment, it's an angel investment. So I don't know where you think about that in your portfolio, but I mean, I think that's kind of one of the cool things about angel investing is you can kind of go far and wide and go narrow, whatever you want to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, as my career has progressed and I've become more of a informed angel investor. I think now, you know, I, I really think about scalability and mm -hmm. how businesses are going to market and the opportunity for really growth and returns. That was a wild, a wilder idea that I pursued, but yeah. um, you know, I mean, yeah, there, like you said, there are way, there are different ways that investments can return Yeah, and, you know, hopefully they don't go to zero. I mean, that's the main goal there, yeah. but some of them can be a, you know, paying distributions over a long period of time. Some of them, hopefully, you know, you're just waiting on your big exit where you receive that large multiple that kind of can return an entire portfolio. I feel like now, you know, that I've become more versed in venture capital and in understanding the way that, you know, returns are received. My, my personal thesis as an angel and then also, you know, like, the work that I do at Expert Dojo, working on our portfolio and, and investments over there has certainly evolved. And now, you know, I think about things differently than, than when I made that initial Definitely. investment, which was 11 years ago, but for sure. Very cool. Well, you got to start somewhere and I'm excited yeah. to dig into Expert Dojo and your current role there and also learn more about uh, this accelerator. But first, give the audience a little sense. I've got a few rapid fire questions about your angel investments and journey yeah. so we can sort of see what you've been up to. So if you're ready, I'll get started. Yeah, Number away. one, how many angel investments have you made uh, up until this point? 14. 14. All right. How many have you made this year or do you plan to make? We're here in August, so a couple more months of the year. I've made two this year and I feel like I'm looking at a couple things. I might make two more, so one a quarter. Okay, cool. What's your average check size? So average check size, I'll answer this a little bit differently. My, my mode, the most common check size that I write is normally 10K. My average is actually larger than that. So you've had average. a couple big ones. Is that what that means? Yeah, yeah, I've had a <laughs> yeah, I've written a couple big ones where I had a lot of conviction, and cool. I think that's important. What type of startups do you look for, and what stage? I like pre-seed in terms of stage. I want to get in early, and in terms of startups that I look for, I'm a salesperson. My, I've made my career in sales and I'm generally looking for founders who I can help move the needle at an early stage on actually driving sales. So, you know, being able to lean in and help them, whether it's a B2B or a B2C product, you know, understand how they're going to be building out their sales team, you know, mm. what, how are they going to build pipeline? How are they going to implement a CRM? How are they going to try to scale that up? So I'm looking for founders where, of course, you know, the product and what they're building, I need to have conviction in that as well. But yeah. 
opportunities where I can really lean in on helping them craft kind of how they're going to be selling and scaling up. Are there founders that you like, particularly like maybe ones that are really good at sales and you can turbocharge or maybe ones that suck at sales and you're like, wow, there's a ton of opportunity for me to help or is it the whole gamut? Yeah, both. I mean, you know, it's nice to be able to chop it up with a salesperson who, you know, understands what needs to happen and be able to just be kind of like a a comrade in that process. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've also invested in a couple of companies where they're like geeky product engineer kind of guys, and they don't know how to go about like bringing the product to market. So um, I've I have experience with both, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, but yeah. Where do you think sales sort of ranks on the categories or disciplines that are kind of most needed at, you know, an early stage startup? I guess I think of product or, you know, maybe engineering sales. What do you think are the three or four main products and where does sales sort of rank on that stack? Yeah. I mean, I think it's paramount and, you know, because even before you're selling a product, you are selling yourself as an entrepreneur to investors, you're selling yourself to potential employees, you're selling yourself to everybody, you know, that you have what it takes to actually take this vision, this idea and get it done. And, you know, in terms of a discipline, you you need to then be able to transition that into actually acquiring customers before too Mm -hmm. long. And especially now in today's day and age, actually getting to revenue even before profitability, but like actually demonstrating that people are going to actually pay for the product that you're building, that is of critical importance. And so, yeah, once you have, you know, I mean, you need a product in place, of course, as well, and and you need some engineering capabilities and you need dev type stuff. But, you know, I mean, if even if you're not a very like gregarious, outgoing type of founder, you still need to be able to sell. So I think yeah. that's, I mean, that's very important. Life, I always feel like, I don't know how original this thought is. I'm sure someone else has said it, but I feel like life is all about sales. I mean, even on the personal side, right? If I know you and I are both married, like convincing a woman or man or partner <laughs> to marry you is literally sales, right? It's like, okay, let me take them, you know, text them. Where should I take them? When should I follow up? How many times should I follow up? Right. I mean, that's literally like the principles are kind of pretty similar. Do you feel that way or am I way off base? No, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, not only in our species, but in in all animal <laughs> kingdom. I mean, you know, you go back to that's survival of the fittest Darwin, you know, yeah. I mean, you need to be able to assert yourself to have confidence to, to be able to find. Right, so you dodge grade. my question, where does sales rank? Is it number one, number two, number three? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, look, you need, you need a product first that people are going to want, you know, yeah. you can't just, you know, so I mean, but after that, it's number two. You then know, you got to so sell. Like, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think that makes sense. I mean, I guess we have seen some people sell without a product, yeah, <laughs> but I, I think to, you know, build a, you know, a, a better foundation, you need something. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, I'm sure there's some case where you have the best, most amazing product market fit in the past hundred years and, you know, people will find it, but that's obviously pretty rare. So I do think, yeah, I like that one and two uh, option. What's uh, one great sales tip uh, for founders or what's something that you sort of typically come in and you're like, oh, I know this is going to be a low hanging fruit with a new company that I invested in or that I'm working with and let's get on it. Yeah. I mean, I think like thinking about it from a guerrilla marketing type of perspective, 
how are you going to break through all the noise? I mean, mm-hmm. there is no shortage of noise, whether it's, you know, like social media, outdoor type advertising, marketing. I mean, like yeah. everything's in your face all the time. But I think it's really important to think creatively about how you can identify, you know, first of all, you want to know who your target customer is, your ICP. And then what does you know, ICP like, stand for? Your ideal customer profile. Gotcha. So understanding who's your buyer, right? And then thinking creatively about where do they spend their time? Where are they mm-hmm. hanging out? What is the pain that you're solving? And then how are you going to get in front of them, get visibility, and then you know bring them through the sales funnel, the sales cycle? There's a, a mentality that I like to think about. There's a book called The Challenger Customer or The Challenger Seller, and that really focuses on identifying that there's key stakeholders within and I'm talking B2B sales here, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. most most tech stuff that is in, you know, this space would resonate with where, you know, it's like, okay, let's contemplate who are the decision makers that are going to need to all have buy in order to get a product sale like this across the finish line. And what points do we need to rally them around common pains, common, you know, need, greed, fear, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How can we, you know, put something that's going to resonate with all those folks and then how are we going to get visibility on them? And then how are we going to like reel them in? So that's the way that I like to think about, you know, going to market with a product from a sales perspective. Very cool. Love it. Well, I feel like uh, we could probably spend a, a whole session on uh, sales, but that's not the the reason yeah. why we brought you here, although maybe it's a good follow-up. So let's talk about your role at the dojo. So why did you join and what do they do? Sure. So Expert Dojo, we are early stage venture capital, similarly to myself as an angel, and this will you know, inform why I'm kind of there. We're investing in companies that are on you know, in pre-seed, seed stage, generally with a strong focus on go-to-market and growth, really moving the needle at those early stages to help the founders kind of be in a position where, you know, so much of early stage VC is around fundraising, but our mentality is that, you know, if you can nail growth and you can actually help your business by generating sales, then the investors are going to want to come to you. You're not chasing. You're now, you know, the bell of the ball. You're the Got one it. who's crushed. You're crushing it. You know, you're really moving the needle and you need capital to fuel that growth. And then, you know, investors are going to take notice. So mm-hmm. at Expert Dojo, you know, what the dojo is, is it's really focused on working with our founders to help them on a slew of sales and marketing tactics, which really will help them you know, move the needle in those early stages. And I can dig into, you know, tactically what all that looks like. But I think it's cool because it sounds like the focus is sort of more or less around the hype and the growth narrative and more about like, let's grow. Right. And I think that resonates with me because sometimes I'll get pitched ideas where I'm pretty skeptical. And I always say at the end, like, Hey, you know, sometimes I'm I'm pretty nice about it, but it's like, basically I'm skeptical. Right. But at the end of the day, like, come back to me in three months, six months, if you're growing 20% month over month or, you know, revenue is increasing. Like, I don't know, like I, I could be I like very likely I could be wrong or prove me wrong. Right. Because at the end of the day, like it could be the worst product or you could think it's the worst product or service or not resonate with you, or you're maybe not a user, but if they've got good numbers and they've got good customers, then I mean, that's kind of all that matters. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if users are using the product and we could talk about the holy grail of product market fit, which happens a little bit further downstream from us, but mm -hmm. the the focus really is on, you know, making sure that you're going to have customers who are going to want to pay for this and they're going to want to tell their friends about it and they're not going to be able to live without it. And that that's really what we're, we're looking to find. Very cool. So you've been a founder in the past. You've done some angel investing, and I believe you're now full-time at the dojo, right? Uh, yes. I'm, I'm on your LinkedIn. It says Director of Pipeline and Deal Flow. You joined in November 2022. So tell me a little bit, why did you make the jump to dojo? And you know what was it that you're like, I got to take this job? Yeah, I mean, I we have a really good culture. We see a lot of really good founders. And I mm -hmm. think this has enabled me to be able to really work with a lot of different entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. also lean in in a place where I do have good experience on, you know, go to market sales marketing. And so really, it was just a, a good fit for myself. And, mm -hmm. you know, to I, the my last endeavor, which we kind of joked about here a little bit in my bio, you know, didn't really make it. And that was uh, about a year ago where we kind of pulled the plug on that. And, you know, and so it was kind of trying to figure out what my next move was talking to a couple of the founders that I had invested in the past about maybe taking more of a full-time position, but I had been doing some scouting for Expert Dojo last year and had built a really nice relationship with our CEO, Brian McMahon, who He's kind of a startup whisperer and pretty well known in the LA tech startup scene. And we had been just kind of, you know, sharing deal flow, doing some scouting stuff. And he and I had spoken about taking more of more ownership over multiple things that we're doing at, at Expert Dojo. And, you know, the magic was just kind of there and kind of decided to jump in full time. Very cool. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, awesome. So I think you sort of mentioned this, but for any founders or potential founders who are listening right now, what, speci what specifically does the dojo look for? You said pre-seed and seed, some sure. sort of product already out in the market. What are sort of like yeah. the, you know, black and white, if possible, you know, yeah. kind of guidelines of what you look for? Sure. So like all VCs, I mean, we want to see strong founders who have deep domain yep. expertise in the problem that they're solving. And, and we want to see that they're executors. We want to see that, you know, they know how to get things done. We generally will not invest in anything that's like pre-product. We want to see that there's something that mm -hmm. is, you know, starting to get into market and something that we can actually help with, you know, all of our sales acumen yep. and all that kind of stuff, like actually move. And we also want to see some early stage traction. So I think founders are way too quick to declare that they've found product market fit. You know, maybe we would say, no, like, look, that's some positive signal that the market is, you know, going to be receptive to this. There's some early validation, you know, so we want to see, we want to see that. And that can be in terms of, you know, some really early customers, or maybe it's, you know, you have some LOIs, or maybe, you know, you have some good momentum from a fundraising yeah. standpoint, you know, traction can show itself in different ways. Um, and we also want to see that, you know, you're building something that is important, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, not to knock any founders who are building something that in my opinion, isn't important. But you know, like, we want to see that you're building something that is going to, you know, benefit make people. a difference yeah right yeah and you know and so we're also 
we're somewhat agnostic in terms of sector. I mean, we mostly invest in things that are tech enabled. I mean, we do have some consumer products and, you know, some CPG stuff in the portfolio, but generally, you know, we want to see, you know, we're doing B2B SaaS kind of stuff or ed tech, HR tech, prop tech. Cool. Um, And are, are, do you guys do sort of rolling applications and what are the kind of terms once folks get into your accelerator? Yeah. So rolling applications is correct. Our accelerator is unique in that it's not just like a two month cohort or, you know, Mm -hmm. or something like that, where you come in, we add a little bit of value for a small period of time, kind of give you a logo to slap on your deck and move on. Like that's not how we roll. We're really investing in our portfolio companies for three years. Generally, our program is a three year, three year program. And the way that it works is when we make our initial investment, our initial check is generally $50,000 cash. Um, and then we bring you into the portfolio and our goal is to do follow on of a million dollars within a three year period. And so that really helps us. We have some early stage conviction in the company and what they're building. And we like the founder and all the things that I just mentioned. Yeah. And so we're putting an initial check in 50 K. We want a little bit of skin in the game. That's exchange for some equity or, you know, it's on a safe note. And then we want to then roll up our sleeves, really work with the founder on go to market on really moving the needle in those first, you know, years where generally it's like a pre-seed, sometimes seed, depending on the company. But our goal is to then get them to series A. And within that time period, we then want to execute a million dollar, a million dollar follow-on investment and take a much bigger position at that point. So it kind of allows us to, you know, make some initial, a lot of initial checks. As you know, Harry, you know, most startups will not return capital and they'll fail. But, you know, that allows us to place a lot of initial bets. And then the ones that really break through and crush it, we then, you know, double down or it's really 20x down. Yeah, more than double, huh? Yeah, yeah. On those companies to, to really have a much larger position at that point. Very cool. Well, I like the model that it's almost like, you know, more of a partnership than, you know, like a quick accelerator, right? Like maybe accelerator is not the term, you know, accelerator, you think about like a quick, you know, movement, this is over a three year period, there's a lot of support in addition to capital plus potential funding. And so I mean, I think all of that sounds great. I imagine if you're in the program, you're very happy. But what is the key thing you look for? Or like what stands out on when you're reviewing deals or applications? And you're like, wow, we keep getting founders with this. And it's like, we love that. Or, you know, the ones that you've had successful, like, what do you tie back? If I'm a founder, you know, what's something that, you know, might stand out in your eyes? If I, How would I impress uh, Brandon at the dojo, basically? <laughs> I mean, you know, you do need to be scrappy and you do need to have that grit and yeah. persistence. I think it goes back to also what you're building and making sure that it is something that is really going to be well received by the market and showing Mm -hmm. that you do have that early stage traction. I can't stress that enough. I think, you know, there's somewhat of a debate out there of, you know, when you're pre-seed investing traction, how important is traction? And and I would say it's very important. Some people think like, no, you're pre-seed, you're, just betting on a founder and their idea and their ability to execute. And I would push back and say, you know, you might be flushing your money down the toilet. If that's the way you perceive it, you need to see that, that there are positive things happening within this. And again, like it could just be getting really, you know, like good investors on board and building momentum with that. 
that's like maybe the first place that I'd want to see. But, you know, you want to see that that you're building, that the founder's building something and that there are customers out there who are wanting it. Because, you know, we talked about sales a little bit earlier. Even if you are in kind of build mode, early stage, you don't even have your MVP yet or you're trying to create that, you know, you better in parallel be selling, you know, and reaching out to your potential customers and making sure that they're validating that what you're building is not a huge waste of time and money, right? Yeah. Like you better know. And that's why I also mentioned, you know, you want customers or excuse me, you want founders with domain expertise who have, uh, you know, a history with the problem that they're solving, you know, like yeah. something that they just didn't wake up one day and decide, you know, Hey, I want to build this thing. Like, you know, they've obsessed about it for many years and have a deep connection with what the issues are and know the nuances that are going to make it successful. And so, you know, those are all the kind of things that, that I look yeah. for. I, I, that last one, especially on a, you know, I mean, there's lots of ways to be successful in investing and in startup and a, as a founder. But I think one thing that I really like is like you said, folks who like, they've been obsessing about this problem. Like when the going gets tough, they're not going to give up, right? Like I've had founders who, you know, like they thought this was a neat idea and opportunity and not at the first sign of trouble, but like, I thought they pivoted a bit early. You know what I mean? Like if this was something that you've been thinking about for 10 years, you're going to like go hard in the paint until, you know, there's, you're going to, you know, squeeze every last ounce out of it. Right. And I feel like, I that tenacity. And it's not to say that, you know, like obviously there's plenty of successful stories of people who pivoted or pivoted early or whatever. Right. So it's not the only way to do it. But I guess I just like, like someone for like, like I'm helping companies as an investor and advisor and like, I don't want them to give up. Like I know they're doing all the hard work, but still like, Hey, I'm on this journey too. So I guess selfishly, like I kind of don't want them, you know, I want someone who's really invested in this problem and gonna, you know, do every freaking thing they can to solve it. Yeah, totally. I mean, and then, you, you get into thinking about solo founders versus, you know, co-founders or teams. And that's where just another point that you mentioned, you know, like we've invested in many solo founders and we've also invested in many co-founders as well. And so there's also, that's something that, that we want to look for too when yeah. reviewing those applications is, you know, what are these people's track record and, mm-hmm. you know, like, do they have, a really strong partnership that are multiple people who know what they're doing, or is this one person who, you know, they've had success with previous companies in a similar yeah. space. And now this is their evolution from those learnings. So those are also Definitely. things that, that you want to think about. Very cool. Well, the last thing that I wanted to ask you about is sort of a little bit more forward looking, you know, what categories are you most interested in right now, personally, or, you know, at the dojo so that, you know, founders are out there thinking about, you know, AI, or, you know, I guess it was crypto. I don't know what's hot right now, what's in vogue, but like, what are you personally kind of interested and excited and like, at the dojo, you know, are you guys, hey, we like this category, or we think there's a lot of opportunity here, because obviously, I'm sure you would love to see more founders, you know, start digging into some areas. Yeah, I mean, I am very bullish on AI. And I think that AI is going to solve a lot of really important problems that are humans are are maybe taking too long to figure out or, Mm -hmm. you know, not or maybe making too many errors and things like that. So I do think that there is a really strong place for, you know, the right type of machine learning to really exponentially make things better and make tech better. You know, I think it's really about understanding 
can this business really scale in the early stages? I think that's what we look at. You know, we're somewhat agnostic, right? Like in yeah. terms of, you know, we're not very sector focused, but what we really want to see is can these businesses and these founders really get to a place over the next 12, 24, even 36 months where they're really scaling and getting to a place where, you know, you can raise your series A because that's kind of like the holy grail in the yeah. early stages. So if it's more of a BD, B2C, you know, are there millions of people using this app? Or if it's a B2B, you know, are there are dozens of high quality, you know, logo worthy clients, you know, kind of signing up with us? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it from like, you know, a little bit of later stage, you know, A, B growth stage mm -hmm. investor standpoint, they want to see businesses that are going to be able to do, you know, $100 million ARR. Yeah. Right. And if you work backwards from that, there's the principle of, you know, triple double. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, when you're at the early stages now, like, you know, how do you get to maybe like using round figures, you know, like if you think about three million dollars as a ARR goal, if you can then triple that and go to nine and then triple that and then go to 27 and then double that and go to 50 and then double that and go to 100 yeah. roughly, you know that's kind of a, a framework that I like to think about working backwards on like, okay, and we're pre-seed, right? So like yeah. we're, we're concept. So like, how do we get these guys to $3 million a year ARR and be in a position where they can then have strong foundation and fundamentals where that they can then go on that trajectory and get yeah. to a place where, you know, follow on capital is going to come with those types of aspirations for the company. And so that, you know, I'm, I know I didn't talk about like sector, you know, like yeah. whatever, because I don't, you know, again, going back to the beginnings of the conversation, you know, you can make money in all different kinds of ways from an angel yeah. investing standpoint. But, you know, like when you're thinking about securing your investment and trying to get somebody who's going to follow on to you from a VC standpoint where you can have a potential exit on the secondary or, mm -hmm. you know, like you can really have that company break through. Those are the types of, we think about it from a sales standpoint, you know, more than like industry sector, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's more like, can these guys move the needle and get to a place where they're going to really grow in, in their own specific industry and be able to return capital? For sure. Love it. Awesome, man. Well, I love uh, what you're up to yourself personally, the model that you guys have going on at the dojo. And hopefully I'll be able, we'll be able to send some companies, some good founders your way from this podcast and going into the future. So if folks want to learn more about the dojo, where can they go? What are some good resources for them? Yeah. I mean, sure. Expertdojo.com. Cool. That's, that's our website. I mean, if you want to apply, then I encourage all founders to apply. Something else that's worth kind of mentioning you know, like, like most VCs, we're going to say no way more than we say yes, right? Yeah. To, to founders looking for investment. And, and what we've been able to do, though, is because we're very inclusive, and we really want to support early stage entrepreneurs in their journey. So the founders that we are not ready to invest in today, we've built a founder community, which is, you know, we take no equity, there's no cost for founders to participate in it. But really, it's a less robust, less intensive version of our accelerator program. And cool. it's a place where, you know, founders come and we actually we have a meeting every Monday, we have a call for the founder community oh, nice. and, and our GP, Brian, he, he actually he participates on it and he leads it. Very cool. And yeah, and, and we, you know, it's like we have all the content, we have all the coaching, we have all the curriculum, 
you know? And so like, it's a way that we actually allow for founders to take advantage of all that stuff. And, you know, we. Like the, the self-guided tour. I mean, you know, I, I think of it as it's kind of like our AAA. Yeah. So, cool. you know, we'll say, no, we're not going to invest in you today. But like, you know, like you said, you know, you want to follow up in three months or six months yeah. or something like that. It allows us to kind of see how founders are going to continue to be persistent and continue to, you know, be scrappy yeah. and try to build and all that. And then, you know, we pluck the, we cherry pick the, the high performers out of there. So Very that's cool. a cool resource that, you know, even if you do apply and we're not going to invest in you today, like I still always encourage founders participate in the founder community. Yeah. It's very I low like lift, that. high value. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, very exciting to see everything that you guys are up to and all of the support and resources that you're providing for founders out there. So good luck with the dojo and thanks for coming on. For sure, man. Thanks for having me, Harry.